electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber at the New York Stock Exchange. Futures are up, but the S&P, nevertheless, may well snap a five-week Wind streak. Bond market reopens. The curve flattens further. Uh, dollar strength means that oil is down week to date and gasoline futures are at a six week low. Our roadmap begins with J&J, though, splitting uh, as the company announces plans to spin off its consumer health business. Plus, it has been a big week for EVs. Shares of Rivian, well, they continue to rally and charging company stocks are getting a big boost from Biden's infrastructure bill. And poking fun at the metaverse, Iceland. With this new tourism ad that you will not want to miss. We'll start, though, uh, with J&J, announcing plans to split into two companies, the pharma and a medical device company, which will be called Johnson & Johnson, and then the Tylenol Listerine Band-Aid company. Uh, Revenue about $15 billion, but a name we still don't have, Jim. Yeah, look, I think this is really great because one of the things that uh, people may not realize is J&J is a pharmaceutical giant, and they're also one of the fastest-growing pharmaceutical companies. They have, if you compare them to almost anyone in the business, if you, know, if you compare them to Pfizer, you compare them to Bristol-Myers, uh, GlaxoSmithKline, I think you'd be amazed at how fast they're, the business that will get the highest multiple uh, will uh, will grow. I mean, double-digit grow while we're in it. No, I wonder, though, you bring up multiple, and let's get to that discussion sure. in terms of the stock market and whether and how you add value here, because... J&J trades at a higher multiple overall than most pharma companies yes. because consumer products gets a higher multiple, even though it's not a growth business. You've pointed out many times, P&G trades at, what, 25 times? Yes, but in and this... And so when you split this thing, is what's going to be left going to be a lower multiple than what it currently gets right now? Okay, so there are some people who do breakups who have just said that to me. Jim, be careful, saying that, look, this is necessarily going to go much higher. I come back and, t- and think about Abbott, okay? So Abbott splits. Abbott has a decent drug co- business, okay? And they've got a, a very good device business, uh, nutrition, which they've kept. And if you think about this, uh, this is my, the great Miles White. Uh, Abbott AbV separation, this is the AbV being the, the stuff that would be like the consumer product, okay? And to some degree, it's a little higher level. Right. But Abbott AbV separation... At more than $431 billion today, okay, it was $81 billion when they did the separation, and that was in 2013. That's 10 years. It's one of the greatest cap. It re- really may be Exhibit A about why you should do this. And I think that Miles White is an amazing, amazing executive, but I think Alex Gorski's an incredible executive. Uh, well, Miles White certainly created a lot of value, and we do know that splits, and we've been talking and kidding about shrink to grow for a decade now. Laser focused. Yeah. Uh, laser focused, exactly. All those words that bankers use to talk to management about what they should be thinking about. But that's the story in the market. I mean, it's one week and we've seen two iconic companies, Carl, Incredible. choose to go down this road of splitting up because of focus, because of both on the customer level uh, and the consumer level and in the marketplace itself. They continue to say as well that, you know, there was a growing divergence between these businesses 
even more so as a result of COVID in part. But well, there was once a day when prescriptions went to OTC and you could sort of see some yeah. overlap there. But, but look, happen. they've got what I regard as I call football brands in the store, meaning that you could have a knockoff that looks just like them from Walgreens uh, that people will buy because it's cheaper. I mean, when you go, you go to the cornstarch baby powder, well, there's like a lot of cornstarch baby powder. Yeah. So I we're think, not even you mentioned GE, but we're not mentioning what Pfizer's already done or what Merck's done or what Raytheon's done. And, and more reports today about what Toshiba may do. I know. three. That's interesting. That's under, under pressure. How about GlaxoSmithKline? Under pressure right now, of course, right from, uh, oh, geez, these guys are tough. You know that. That's Elliot, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're tough. They're pressure tough. by Elliot. Yeah. And one of the things that I... Uh, that I, I you've interviewed Elliot. One of the things that I think is really interesting is they've split that company into two. I don't know if you can see this, and the performance has been pretty good uh, versus how if you take a longer term view. But Elliot's not happy. They think there's a lot more there, and right, at uh, they Glaxo. believe that the consumer business, which is merging with Pfizer, could be worth a lot more. Mm-hmm. And the, their rigor when they come in. Paul, what, Singer's rigor? Well, yeah, it's a, they've got a big team there on, on, on the, uh, well, the I, activist I, front. I, I think if you just But what's it. your point here? Why are you bringing up Glaxo, though, in relation to J&J? Explain well, because that. Glaxo was saying over and over again, Walmsley was saying, Dame M. Moss was saying, listen, people do not see the great growth we have in our pharma. The only way to call attention to it is to get rid of the slower growth products. Right. And uh, J&J, to some degree... Uh, the slower growth products have hurt them. I mean, plus, I know, but it's funny because the slower growth business still gets a higher multiple. Well, than- in this one, it's not clear because, you know, when you have 10 percent organic growth for a drug company, you get you yeah. got some excitement in, in every division. True. By That's the way, this is all up. just like GE going to take quite some time. I mean, they're talking yeah, 18 to 24 months. Yeah. They don't have a name as of yet. Obviously, the management team at the consumer products or company right. is in place. But, uh, you know, and Gorsky's going to be stepping down as CEO early next year, becoming chairman. Uh, of overall J and J, but why do you think they gave uh, medical so device? similar to GE? I mean, we're taught you know it'll be two years before we're sitting here and these companies right. will actually have medical split. device has been bad because of uh, COVID that can snap back. Uh, let's not forget that the talc litigation is with consumer product, right? And the talc litigation has been horrendous. They have opioid legislation. Look, it's not all done in fair weather, J and J. No, but they have no. a great can- uh, cancer franchise that people don't talk about enough. I think they do a lot of good. You know, a lot of good drugs. Right. But then it'll be the peer group will be with, you know, Merck and Pfizer and all the ones that we still talk about it with. But obviously it will be a pure play. Yes. Right? And, you know, look, look, and I, then the consumer products will be what? Go Nestle and P&G or what do you where do you where do you sort of I, Colgate? Where do you kind of put it? Yeah, I saw Colgate the other night and Colgate's such a long term winner, uh, just consistent winner. And I just think that in the end, you should try to merge it with one of those companies. You do? Yeah, I do. <laughs> well, I, because there had always been speculation of a merge spin of some kind yeah. of this business with Colgate. That's not, I don't think, in the cards at this point. But, you know, this will be a business, again, Carl, that can issue stock, that can start to consolidate as well, which is another reason why you get these announcements. Well, it's, and, of course, the, the banks are loving this. I don't know if you saw the FT piece earlier in the week that GE has spent $7 billion in IB fees over the past 21 years, more than any other U.S. company. People yeah. should know that Goldman is involved with Rivian. I know the involved recipients with of a lot of those fees I mean, you know, from they, GE, all yeah. the things they sold and bought and sold and bought. And pick, um, yeah, it's, the bankers always figure out a way, right? Jim? Right. Well, I think that, that in the, when I was growing up, uh, you knew that you would go to Goldman and you make a lot of money. 
Now the same people say, you know what? Facebook's got a great New York office. By the way, the people who apply for Facebook, they don't hate Mark Zuckerberg. And they may not like the Iceland video. So you don't you don't believe the whole recruitment issue that they come that is a stigma to to interviewing there or going to work there. I know enough people to, to know that that the stigma is uh, false. That they kill for the, remember the seven stage interview, seven stage interview. Anytime you can drop out. So your point is that younger people today are still gravitating towards those names as opposed to yes, Goldman Sachs, no, I think Goldman, J.P. Yeah. Morgan, Morgan Stanley. Well, I mean, look, look, I think that the really the. Yes. Okay. Just, yes. I mean, I, mean, I got out of school, and I, I didn't have the, the skill, the you know, unique computer science skills or, or an engineer skill. We could put up NVIDIA. You know, it's, it's an engineering heaven. But if you come out and you have a, a legal well, or, or obviously business, and you go to Goldman, you have a, a pretty great life now because I think that Solomon Wood, how many days you got to work there? I used to got to work pretty hard. If you're young, 80 to 100 hours a week is still what you're putting in. I used to teach on Friday nights at 11. When I was at Goldman, I would teach 11 and give an exam at 11. And then, of course, post the bottom five on Monday, right on the, so everybody could see. By the way, pay is also also going up at these firms, and not just Goldman, but also many of the others uh, and the boutiques. I mean, right out of college, 300 grand a year or more. It's a pretty big number, Jim. For a 22-year-old. Yeah. Yes, it is. 25, well, maybe. Look, Not even. People. No, yeah. I mean, you're, that's, you're right. 23 years no, old. No, I remember yeah. when I was at, at college, there was a line, up, you know, line down all the way to Harvard Square to see Credit Suisse uh, because people just were, I mean, the same people who were telling you that they were, you know, united the people will never be defeated, united the people at Credit Suisse would never be poor. Well, the story on the wires yesterday about how CS is making a big push to recruit, having to make up they for the to. huge exodus. They have to. They lost a lot of people. Did you ever try people get Credit Suisse? As a result of the Archegos blow up. I tried to get a job at Credit Suisse. It was going really, really well. Um, and then Goldman called me and said, basically, yeah, if you have another meeting with them, I think they knew I was like Big Brother. It was like China. You have another meeting with them. Oh, exploding off happen. kind of Yeah. yeah. Nice. And they told me, listen, you've got, you've got about 24 hours, uh, and 12 of them have already been used. So you did, and here, here you sure are. I sure did, and I, I was so excited. I walked out. It was a cold day. I put on my raincoat. I got right to the airport to be able to go, and I realized that I had a partner's raincoat, and I had to try to get back so that the partner. <laughs> I mean, you picked up somebody else's somebody raincoat. Somebody else's raincoat. You know, it was a partner and a lot of important stuff in the pockets. So well, I realized my career was over before it started. Still work. You still work 80 get, to 100 get that hours back a week. I did. I was up at 3.30 today. Yeah. It was a good day to be up at 3.30. Tomorrow. I didn't know. Right at that very moment, there was really nothing other than um, sundial pretty good quarter. <laughs> well, we got we do have a lot of news. Of course, there's Rivian, uh, big start as a public company. Elon Musk taunting them on Twitter. Uh, got a downgrade uh, today of, uh, of Ride. We'll talk more about the EV space. Take a look at the futures. Jim mentions NVIDIA, downgrade from Wedbush. Well, that was just... I, I save it because I can't wait to hear what you think about this one. I hope that guy loses in fantasy <laughs> this weekend. There's a look at futures. We're back in a moment. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, 
the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Rivian aiming for a third straight session again since the public debut on Wednesday. Market cap is now above $100 billion as we approach the end of a big week for the EV space. Jim, you had, you had long said that you thought this would come in hot tomorrow. Yeah, this is just a great one. And I, when I spoke to the Amazon sustainability officer at an ESG conference I ran, I mean, they have no choice. They literally need every Rivian vehicle. And when you hear that, all you can say is, well, then where are the sellers? You know, if that 20% seller is not going to sell, what's going to happen? I want to know whether Ford is going to go to try to get a release uh, to be able to sell the stock. But I don't think that's what, the way they're headed, David. But this is the day usually where you, uh, you're wrong to come in and buy it. These institutions wanted to finish their buy by the end of the week. They all seem to be full up. And the people who are buying it now are anticipating that that same level of buying is going to come in. Don't really understand. I think that what you have is that's just that, stunning, though. Isn't that, it? Well, but the institutions all want a full position because, as you said, oh, the I institutions well, were, do, were I, not flippers. I, I pointed that, that was one of the best pr- price. That, they Wednesday, should study that. When I, I told you it was sovereign funds, it was it was buyers. The initial book for the IPO was very incredibly solid to the point where you weren't going to get flippers. Amazing. These were long-term holders. Uh, R.J. Uh, Scaringe. Yep, uh, oversaw the allocation, and so that went, it went extraordinarily but you, well. You've told that's but so Jim, unusual. Uh, yesterday we right. had an analyst out. I'm like, how do you value this thing? It's like, well, maybe on 23 revenues, uh, eight billion and 23 revenues. And so, all right. Well, I think so that it, look, I think times? Elon Musk told you out of value, right? Which is that it's you're they're able to achieve high production, break even cash flow. Uh, true test, and I don't know whether they can do either, but I do think that they have the orders to do it. This was in response to a, a Twitter user last night, right. um, just making the point that there have been hundreds of startups in the car business over the last century, and that Tesla's been able to produce a lot of cars and get some positive cash flow. Very hard to do. Look, I, I know Ford. I think Ford has a get Musk division. By the way, everything he said there is probably true, which no, it is sometimes true. with his tweets, you never no, it, know. No, it is true. I mean, everything it, he it, said there is true. It was a very, very commonsensical tweet. Yes. Uh, but then again, Musk sold another 639,000 shares yesterday. Now, you could say it doesn't matter, but he has to pay taxes, too. He's right? going to keep selling. That's my um, point. But what wasn't selling. true was that 
Twitter poll where he was making it seem as though he no, was going was to make a decision that. That was like based a, that was on a, I voted in a North Korean election as we, by. Uh, as Robert Frank and others have said, pointed out, he's got to sell got to sell to pay the taxes yeah. on these on this huge Even option uh, position that he right. has that he's going to and be d- converting to stock. I'm sure there are people out there who are wealthier saying, and he almost had nothing left. <laughs> what do you mean? Nothing well, left because they, the government confiscated so much money from him. It is a nice little windfall for the government. Fifteen billion potentially. Well, even uh, Abigail Disney, who's been very critical of, uh, of billionaires and wealth, yeah. said, look, I'll be, I'll be glad to have the government take that money. Yeah. yeah. I like that. And it can go towards EV and charging. Well, that's what Ford the, whole, needs. the whole plan. How about Ford you know? selling its stake and building the biggest battery factory? Wouldn't that be terrific? Yes. Now, one of the things that, that Musk has been dead right about is the companies that compete are all internal combustion engine companies that have, uh, they're trying to do EV, and they're not EV native. Ford could divide into two companies. They could divide in traditional, and they could do EV native, and the stock be at 30 right now. You think that's likely? We were just talking about a split of high growth and steady growth companies. No, no, it's not, and I think it would be financial engineering. There's a great American, Jeff Bukas, whom I I approached to do something like that. He said, that's good. That's going to give you about a five-minute pop. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Bukas was something. Yes. He was something. He did a good job. He did a really good job. Uh, Getting out. Yeah. He told you how. He, he's a little musky. A lot of these companies, you do need to have, when you take over sort of a slow growth company in an industry, you need to have a longer term vision as to how you're going to go about exiting and putting it all right. together for the ultimate exit. Bucus did a good job of that. To your, oh, God, to your point, I, though, about Rivian, uh, there is an item on the tape this morning that they're seeking a U.S. facility for a battery plant. So we will look for that, that directional investment in this country, right? Battery's the gateway. That's the, I mean, that's the gate, gated area. Right. That's going to be the hardest. Be the materials are very hard. But we have people every day in our business who just do nothing but buy anything that's lithium. Right. I One mean, you could have a gating issue for them, though, is capital. They raised right. 11 that's, and a half billion of it. That's so why they are, needs it. They are, by the way, going to be in a position to sell stock, it would seem, as Tesla did along the way, because he is right. also an incredible promoter, as well as so many other things, Mr. Musk. And that enabled them to get to that cash flow positive. You've got but, to have access to capital to get there. Rivian certainly seems to have a good amount of it for now. Well, I, I think that we also have to applaud Musk. He didn't really have the semiconductor problems that everybody has. Everybody's got Yeah, more recently. I'm just talking over the no, long no, I'm saying Musk the is development for, of the company. Look, Musk is for real. The, I think the stock price is high but for real because he is a part of the solution. I mean, we have all these conferences, one going on in Singapore now. We had the one in Glasgow. Right, what are they Rivian, about? They're does about- Rivian stay as a $100 billion-plus-dollar company, market-cap company, for the foreseeable future? I think so. You do? Well, this is not Warby Parker. Okay. <laughs> Nobody said it was. Well, no, but Warby Parker reported they doubled the law, size of the loss, and it was suboptimal. Yeah. Uh, the cars are a little more complex. Yes. Then glass, yes, absolutely, direct-to-consumer. Uh, we do have some more encouraging news from Toyota this morning about the chip shortage. Uh, we'll talk about that as they get back to normal production for the first time in about seven months. We'll get Kramer's mad dash. We'll count down to the opening bell as futures look to end on a good note, although the S&P is still looking at a weekly loss. Don't go away. Every day. 
thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. All right, eight minutes to go before we get started with the uh, final trading session of the week, because it's Friday, Jim. Yes. Yes. And I will not poo-poo this downgrade. Okay. For, uh, let's, this it's is a mad dash. You're talking about a downgrade of... Wedbush downgrades one of my absolute favorite stocks, NVIDIA. And yes. I'll be visit, visiting NVIDIA next week. Uh, they're basically saying they can't justify this incredible move and that they will not pay the price 100% since May. They will not pay the price. They, I'll use the language that they use. Net, while we remain very bullish in both NVIDIA's near-term prospects and longer term, we simply find ourselves unable to justify lifting our multiple, multiple price earnings multiple to pay these prices. Now, I think if you like this stock all the way, you can do a victory lap. I, I'm going to pay attention to what this guy said. A lot of people felt that I'd slag him. No. I think, you know what? That's a good run. Matt Bryson did a good job. All right. Well, this has been an extraordinary run right, right here. A lot of this due to excitement, I would argue, over the metaverse. AI. They don't call it the metaverse at NVIDIA. No, You've ta- taught us a lot about what Mr. Well, he uh, is Jensen your digital Wong twin. Believes will and, be coming. Right. And we're going to de- look at a bit of an Icelandic spoof of the digital twin later on. Yeah. It was a fact, fantastic tweet. Here, I, here's what I think. This company has more opportunity in many different divisions and that you... Um, sell it and then try to get back in. And it's just too cute. Like, look, you could sell it here and maybe it goes to here. Are you going to get back in right there? I, it's too hard. That'll be a couple days where it's really down. There'll be people dumping on it. They'll come on and say, well, it's bet the best days are behind it. Right. And I just find that that's a game. I talk about this a lot with my club, with yep. the investment club. That's a game I can't play. Well, listen, and to your credit on this name, because you get a lot of heat on others. Yes, I you do. You have been... A incredible proponent of this stock and company for many years. It's and if because we, of the time. we have a second, I hear the music playing just to look back five years or ten years. That is to your and point. Let's not the forget the amazing you, CFO. Yep. I call it Crest. He would be so mad at me right now. He would say, I mean, "Do you not know it's my team? Do you not know it's my team? Why do you talk about me?" And I, he's everything that you want in America. He's just a great. Yeah, I know. He's brilliant and he's humble. Uh, he's the opposite of Musk. All right, we're brilliant. We got an opening bell coming up in just a few minutes. And remember, you can catch us anytime, anywhere. Listen to and follow the Squawk on the Street Opening Bell podcast. We're back after this. What do we call this not so new chapter in human connectivity? The Iceland Wars. Enhanced actual reality without silly looking headsets. 
In our open world experience, everything is real. And has been for millions of years. That's a new tourism ad out of Iceland. Uh, it's gone viral around the world, uh, sort of uh, taking a swipe at the metaverse and Mark Zuckerberg. You, it's easy to forget that the whole world is aware of this whole move. Absolutely. Look, it's one of those things where he's in, in the water at one point, this fellow, with a, 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 someone and says, oh, you're a person. That's, are you a human? Are you a human? <laughs> and there is a fantastic scene in uh, the actual Zuckerberg, uh, I don't call it, blockbuster. Where, you mean what Zuckerberg's uh, yeah, video Zuckerberg presentation? Yeah, uh, with someone else, and uh, I think it's a great scene. But now, I mean, there you go. I mean, he's mocking them by talking about whether the other person's real. Uh, they are the way that you should do this. By the way, if you're going to do it, is uh, different from Mark. You have to do it with an avatar that looks not like a cartoon avatar that you did on Adobe. You know, don't. Adobe's programs that are very yes. good. You have to use what Jensen has, which is that you're not able to tell whether it's a native, whether it's you or it's a little frightening. Yeah, you like, can't tell. Oh, that's, you think yeah. the cartoon element is not enough. No, I mean, to, look, yeah. I want if I want my wife to be playing Rummy Cube with me, I don't want a cartoon of my wife. Just I want the real deal. Can't you just play with her in real life, though? No? No, because she's going to live in Delray for a while. Oh, so you guys can get together in the metaverse. But yeah, because right. I don't like the texting. But you can't touch each other, can you, in the metaverse? Like actual, that's like not a, that's right none now? of your business. That's, <laughs> <not> a, <laughs> that's awfully personal. That's, there's the opening bell and the CNBC real-time exchange. At the big board, it's Robert F. Smith. A Vista Equity Partner CEO and philanthropist celebrating One Stock, One Future. It's a goal-setter initiative to create one million black and Latinx youth shareholders nationwide. At the NASDAQ, Loyalty Ventures, a rewards programs provider celebrating its spinoff from Alliance Data. Well, spinoff, spinoff. Alliance Data used to be a hot stock at one point. I am so possessed by this J&J breakup because I want it to be the next habit because it is a great American company. Uh, but I also want to, the pearls are demonstrated by Dame uh, Walmsley, which is that if you uh, don't have the pharma growth or people are suspicious of it, yeah. well, then people don't want that pure play. I think it's amazing how everyone assumes they have a great pharma franchise. Johnson Johnson does. Uh, Johnson J&J is going to help lead the S&P uh, this morning, along with uh, some other uh, biopharma names. Uh, there's Biogen up there as well. Well, Biogen uh, was interesting because yep. they another proof of concept. Remember, the, Biogen's Alzheimer's drug. Okay, Anytime you ever see anything Biogen, it's Alzheimer's drug. And my problem with the Alzheimer's drug is, of course, the cost and whether the insurance well, companies... Well, and the efficacy is, is the key. It's yes. not, if, if the co- nobody would care about the cost if it actually oh, really that, did some big things right, for treating right. Alzheimer's. The question is, is well, that big enough? To, the, to Does it really move... The uh, uh, work I do with, uh, with various brain disease. foundations yeah. leads us to be skeptical about biogen because you've got to start it so much earlier and it's not necessarily going to work. Uh, the the community of doctors who are involved with with brains are dedicated to the proposition that there are certain Alzheimer's that are just horrendous that you got to work on, 
and we're just not getting the work. I, we, I don't mean to sound like we, meaning I'm like a doctor, but I do a lot of enough people. I always ask these guys when I do the foundational work, what do you think? And they, they just don't think there's a lot here. Yep. Um, and it shows, I mean, it's funny because the, the, that chart is a perfect reflection of sentiment, which shot up on the prospects for this incredible breakthrough drug treating this insidious disease that is so widespread. And then slowly but surely coming down as people say, well, maybe it's not as effective. Maybe the FDA really erred here and not listening to their well, that's, advisors. When you ask me what the foundation uh, and maybe the insurance companies will say, right. why are we going to pay or the, why are we going to cover it? I'm so glad you brought it. The, the panel that looked into this all didn't think it worked. Right. And the panel's made up of, of people like the people that I work with. And they're, to go against them is, is daunting given how much they know and what they're trying to do and how tremendously involved they are in the day-to-day saving of people's lives. And this thing comes out, and they're like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This isn't what we need. So let's watch. Yeah. Um, Speaking of the FDA, guys, um, what? just mRNA, I think it's worth taking a quick look at. It's up today, but, man, it has been in free fall. Yes, it has. had their conference call. I don't know that they took that many questions from what I understand. Um, it doesn't look, I mean, given the performance of the stock, but when you come, yeah, I mean, you can see. I mean, the stock was in the four, mid-400s. Well, there, was the, there was the quarter, right. and now there's this dispute with the NIH over, exactly. over yes. patents. By the way, uh, AP this morning says that the president, uh, according to sources, will pick uh, Dr. Robert Califf to, to lead the FDA. Long-time hunt for that. Um, but man, would you would you put this on the list of worst prints for Q3? Wow, I I don't know what to say. I mean, this was one of those companies where you have to look at their pipeline and their cancer pipeline. The modern day personalized cancer is worth a great deal. Yes, but you are up against this. The the issue here is when you look at their market cap versus all the others. I mean, how long does this last? Now, go back to, to Pfizer. When Pfizer was in the 30s, there were people who thought that their idea that you needed a booster was phony. And it was just profiteering on the part of Pfizer. And the stock started rolling over. As you can see, it started rolling over. Then people started talking about the patent cliff and how 23 is going to be a disaster for Pfizer. And the company was telling me, look, you know, the booster, you're going to want the booster. And yes, we're all clamoring for the boosters, and Pfizer is going to be solving its patent cliff. They took a big stake in a company I like called Biohaven the other day, uh, which is a company there's 30 million migraine sufferers in this country. That's going to be owned by Biohaven, but worldwide it's just tremendous. Pfizer is accumulating a series of positions that are going to take this money and make it so that the, the uh, patent cliffs are not going to be bad. They're a very well-run financial company. Uh, it's been a very good year for Pfizer, and obviously they're selling tens of well, billions of dollars worth of vaccine. They, they did a, a great job. Now, people say, well, it's BioNTech. By the way, Moderna did also well, in terms of developing uh, a vaccine that is But I, I don't know how you effective. I don't know how you value it now if they don't have— Moderna? You don't know how you I value. don't know how yeah. because I don't know what they have in the pipe. Are they going to be able to have these personalized cancer vaccines ready? I don't know. I don't and, then so. there's, and then Carl raises the point, the questions. They're not taking a lot of questions on these patent questions. And that's disturbing to people. I think people should look. I, someone asked me the other day, uh, is it time to sell Moderna? And I said, well, 
obviously you could say the time to sell them. You can be a wise ass and say it was 400. But the answer is, is that uh, you should sell some Moderna because we just don't know whether it's going to have the legs that Pfizer has. It, it, and David, you were, how many times did you report to the market cap of Moderna? Well, there was a period where Moderna's market cap was approaching that of Merck's. They were neck and neck. And now to just put it in perspective, Mo- Mo- Merck is more than twice the size now. And that and happened Mo- very quickly. Right. Moderna has um, one great drug, obviously. But we do know, the, we do know Carl, that the mRNA, uh, th- that template works. Uh, I was listening to a, a doctor the other night who was, runs a major cancer uh, hospital in, in New York who was saying, Look, this is, we now know that mRNA is the future. And Van Sell's the future. He's very smart. And when he comes on, you know, I feel badly about what happened in the meeting because when he comes on with Meg, with Meg Terrell, who's so fabulous. Yes. For Van Sell? Yeah. I think he's good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, He's no Borla. I mean, Borla is like this great figure. But Borla is really, some people say, Jim, it's really BioNTech. Are you giving Borla the credit? Or we'll give a lot of credit wherever it might be. Yeah. Wherever. Sure. Why not? Um, okay. Speaking of market cap comparisons, guys, I, I'm keeping an eye on Disney and Netflix. No rebound in Disney uh, today. All right. Let's uh, talk about they're, Disney. They're about four billion apart, and I just it, again, it's just sort of something to keep no, in mind. No, I just was um, going to talk about Disney because okay, well, you were talking about Disney. Talk about Disney. Go ahead. Okay. I'm not stopping you from. Talking so the about problems Disney. with Disney, obviously, uh, every division has lost a little more. Uh, they only have two million. Okay, for Disney Plus and David, are you going to be drawn to the dollar ninety nine for one month kind of free for all for Disney? No. no. Well, I, I don't, I'm, I'm paying for Disney Plus. I think I'm paying for Hulu. I don't I'm, think paying I'm paying for, for ESPN Plus. Plus. I don't I'm know what else. I'm paying for ESPN Plus. Paying for Amazon. I'm paying for Netflix. I don't think we're alone. I'm, I think I'm paying for Paramount Plus. Oh, what? In some way. Really? Paramount Plus. I needed to get CBS at the other. Yeah, I paying for Redbox. I needed to watch football game. Yeah. It was like sixty bucks for the year, but you don't get the movie. I don't know. I don't even know what I get there. You pay for rabbit ears. You ever watch Peacock? Of course. Okay. Yes. <laughs> May we? <laughs> May we? Um, content division Good down. Answer, Carl. The division content was cost too much. I mean, look, uh, Jungle Cruise does it save things? There's nothing short term that will make Disney go higher. When Chapel Trust owns it, I've been wearing the hair suit of Disney. I mean, I got involved in the 170s. I thought that they were going to turn it. This is not a turn. But, David, the metaverse, they did that for you. The metaverse, yeah. What's no, gambling. talking about the metaverse? Gambling is going to you be want to listen. You want a CEO's focused on years out, and he certainly He's seems to be in the opportunity out. that they see in terms of the digital and but, real world. When I talk um, to people about Disney, they can't believe that the stock has fallen this much, and they finally want to come in. The institutions, obviously, are looking at the next quarter, and the next quarter is going to be hard. The, the next quarter is hard. It will not be good. We may be the 12th quarter, maybe not. But uh, And then some people are saying, well, Chapek, uh, he's too pie in the sky about metaverse and gambling. Right. Are you one of those? No. I'm not. You're not? No. Um, a quick diversion for me into the world of luxury, guys. Not of names what? we talk about too often. The world of luxury. You ever go on Farfetch? Buy your wife a gift, maybe, or something like that? No. Or app. You know, these, high, these luxury platforms. I bought my a wife a Black & Decker saw. That's very romantic. That is very romantic. Okay, I also got the drill. Oh, wow. So I'm drilled to go with Bought the those for her. Yeah, she's very handy. 
Well, if you ever wanted to get her a more romantic gift, you might want to go on one of these platforms. I mention them because Barstow shares are up, and Richemont is the owner of YNAP, and they had a very long call, and they confirmed what a lot of people at least had thought might be the case, which is that they've been talking to Farfetch about a potential deal. There's Richemont up. Um, in terms, from what my understanding is, and again, these things can change, but they're getting close to the end here in terms of their talk, where Farfetch would perhaps own as much as 25% of YNAP. Uh, they would pay for that with their own stock price. But what it also would be uh, is, uh, again, creating a neutral industry-wide platform in which Farfetch would invest directly in YNAP as a minority holder, and then YNAP would leverage Farfetch's platform solutions to support its transition to a hybrid model. Uh, and Farfetch is actually the biggest beneficiary of this potential news, but I don't talk about them too often. It's Cartier, you know, Cartier and a lot of other and a lot of other very high-end brands. You know, the secret of and they have been under some pressure to do something with YNAP, which has been a money loser. The secret of Richemont, by the news. What is the secret? Well, in, in PRC, it's very difficult to show how wealthy you are. Um, but it's often thought that Richemont is a way, a watch, to demonstrate your wealth. You know the, how much this costs. Right. That's actually from someone who's close to the And these are, right, I mean, as you well know, these luxury companies rely heavily on the Chinese market. We've talked about it. There's a reason why I know for a brief period was the wealthiest man in the world at LVMH. Yes. Now, he's not anymore. Musk is, but he's still up there. Well, I saw him with a phalanx of seven people, and I wanted to go up to him. And then I realized that I'll probably be tackled by one of his cars. Musk, that is? Arnaud. No, Arnaud. Oh, Arnaud. Arnaud looked. He's a snappy dresser. As you'd expect he would be. Yeah. Yes. He's... I'm in awe of him and you what are. he's built. Of Arnaud? Yeah. He picked off, what did he pick off, Tiffany? What did he get for nothing? She's a new line of Tiffany. It's so great. That may have ended up being a good deal. Well, that's why I went Black and Decker. Stanley Black and Decker. You guys raising prices. What kind of saw did you buy? Just something that was just a Home Depot. Those are dangerous, those saw. you got to be careful. No, it's just a straight out. Check yeah. out, yeah, the luxury has not... Uh, Done poorly uh, post-pandemic. That. Uh, a lot of that's going to be Asia, of course, yes. where um, once again, Jim, there's a lot of talk that the China trade is back on, outperforming the Russell again. Yeah. We're, not, we're no longer walking in here seeing crazy headlines every morning. No, we'll talk to Henry Fernandez soon from MSCI, maybe get some, uh, shed some light on that. But even when in the win conference call, now, of course, we know that uh, Mr. Maddox is leaving. But yes. in the wind conference call, they're saying, look, the, the Macau authorities, business as usual. I mean, this is rather amazing. We know that, that high-end luxury, I mean, it was very interesting when I interviewed uh, Fabrizio Freda, the fabulous CEO from Estee Lauder. The party wants clean skin. Once, once it, they like skin, skin care. They encourage skin care. Well, the party's not a... Now here, let me, I want to be facetious here. It's middle class that is on, that is not under fire, and middle class buys Estee Lauder. So it's the ultra rich that are under fire. Okay, so let's distinguish. The party's not going after the middle class. It just hasn't. Yep. Yep. Which is smart. They got 400 million middle class. We're going to be on the lookout for uh, China she uh, Biden headlines, maybe as early as tonight. What do you think of that? Yeah, we're going to find out a lot more uh, tonight and Monday. As we go to break, uh, let's take a look at bonds uh, this morning as the Dow is up about 90. Interesting week all across the curve. Uh, Five-year week to date up 20 basis points. That's the biggest surge in about two years. Ten-year, uh, though, still around 156. We'll be right back.
We were just talking about the recovering China trade, and in fact, Chinese stocks do dominate uh, the list of this week's biggest gainers on the NDX. We'll talk more China with the chairman and CEO of MSCI in just a moment. ESG in China, these are two huge trends and focus for investors that we talk about all the time. As the regulatory crackdown continues to weigh on Chinese stocks, U.S. negotiates a new climate deal with China at uh, COP26. These are just the major issues of our day. And we have the person who knows more about this in terms of the empirical nature of what it does for stocks than anyone. MSCI Chairman CEO Henry Fernandez. He's joining us now to discuss it all. Henry, it is always great to see you. Thank you for joining us on Squawk on the Street. Good to see you, Jim. So, so Henry, uh, I don't know whether people realize the role you play, but if you could probably give us the context, you really are the person who decides whether a country's, uh, let's say, their entire market should be included in what turns out to be trillions of dollars that are trying to find out whether it should be in a diversified fund. Can you tell us the process you use? To basically try to uh, understand the, the, uh, the needs and the requirements of global investors uh, in, in, um, in making a market investable for them and then go to the country and try to understand what is it that they, they have done in terms of regulatory environment and market access and investability and all of that. And so we go back and forth between the two, you know, pretty much primary participants here, the investors and the issuers in the form of uh, the country and then, uh, you know, have a methodology and render a judgment basically as to uh, whether the market is investable and it can be included in our indices or not. Okay, so let's use the focus on the word investable. If a country's government has decided to turn some companies from profit to nonprofit, seems to be uh, upset with some companies and how much money the CEOs are making, versus being about China, does that give you second thoughts or is that one off? And what can you do as the person who already decided that China should be a member of the Council of Nations when it comes to finance? Maybe they don't deserve that status. Well, Jim, you know, a lot of what we do is. Uh in, in a big part of our business is define the investable universe of companies. You know, we don't know opine whether the company is going to be, you know, good profit making or not and the like. And therefore, we just try to create what is available for people to invest in uh, and what is not available. So that is the, the what we call the market cap indices. We obviously have other indices that, uh, that narrow the scope. You know, in terms of ESG, for example, uh, is this a, a, co- a company or a country that is following certain norms of investability, uh, of uh, governmental you know, uh, issues and, and, and ratings and all of that? So, but, you know, the market cap indices are the investable opportunity set. If the, uh, you know, there is intervention, obviously, in a lot of countries, in a lot of companies, not just China. China is obviously a big example of it. But uh, then these investors have to decide whether they want to overweight that company, not overweight it, or not even invest in it. Understood. Now, uh, we have a huge move, obviously, in ESG. I don't think people understand. Henry Fernandez actually does the tire kick in these situations. Henry, how can we be sure that companies really are deserving of, of a positive ESG status, given what you and I both know are companies that are trying to pretend that they're good for the environment? Yeah, what we do in our ESG in general, and we can talk briefly about climate as well, but in ESG in general, we gather information, you know, on the companies 
from all sources. About 50% of the data that we gather is directly from companies that reports to Securities Commission or press releases or websites or whatever. The other 50% come, comes from independent sources like courts of law and environmental agencies, you know, and the like in order to understand other aspects of their ESG, uh, you know, uh, criteria. And then we have a model that it is very scientific as to how much we weigh each one of those areas depending on the sector, the industry, and we create a rating. On climate itself, it's, uh, you know, climate is part of ESG, but it's also being you know, broken out in its own. It's gonna be an incredible amount of uh, you know, needs for information and data and metrics on, on climate, especially coming out of COP26 in Glasgow. Yeah. Henry, it's David. I mean, I can understand on governance, even diversity and inclusion, but when it comes to the environment, as you say, and climate and all the inputs, I don't know if I have confidence, even with that rigorous process you describe at this point, that you're really giving me an accurate reflection of what I can expect as I allocate capital and try to do it appropriately. Well, first of all, that is the uh, fundamental question. You know, a lot of uh, investors around the world are not getting blind in terms of understanding the current carbon emissions of uh, companies or any other issue for that matter. And secondly, what are the projections of those companies in the next five, 10, 20 years? So we at MSCI have developed metrics to be able to estimate the carbon emissions of about 10,000 publicly listed companies and 15,000 private companies. And on the, on the publicly listed companies, we've gone beyond that. We've been able to estimate also the temperature alignment of those companies into the future, depending on the kind of uh, you know, temperature world we live in. Is it a two-degree company, a three-degree company, a five-degree company, and the like? We have to also understand that there's a lot of data that we gather, but a lot of these are models into the future. The climate change problems is a, is a go-forward problem. It's not only a current problem, and therefore there will be estimations. There will be accuracy in some aspects or lack of it in other aspects. But, you know, the, we cannot necessarily uh, think that perfection in all of these tools and metrics will be, will be appropriate. You know, the, the perfect plan will be the enemy of a good plan here. Well, look, Henry, it's just great to have you on. Henry Fernandez, the CEO of MSCI. Great to see you, sir. Uh, Thank Paul. you, Jim and David. Yep, absolutely. Henry, I'll see you soon. Uh, that yes, man is like Larry Fink when it comes to a lot of stocks. He can determine, he can make or break different countries. That's one of the reasons why I think it's so important. And the ESG question you asked, we don't want greenwash. Uh, no, it's but a, it's also it's been a, a magnificent performer at MSCI. Yes. And a lot of that is Henry's well. work. He did do China. He went to China many times to try to figure out whether the legitimacy of it and it's very yeah, interesting. Big job, interesting. and stock's been hitting a series of all-time highs pretty much all year yes, long. Yes, yes. Uh, tonight? Duolingo, which a lot of people are using to be able to learn languages, does better than a lot of colleges. And then Dick Akins, I want to always get the largest electric transmission company. I want to find out the tenor of things in this country. Uh, we look forward to a busy week for you next week. Yes, and I will be on some yeah. checked. You know, I'll be on, I'm thrilled to be uh, with Deirdre Mosa and you on Check Tech, and I can't wait because it has been almost two years wow. since I've been out on the coast, and it's where I learn everything. I try to go four times a year, try to find out whether people are turning down Facebook in order to be able to work at a good tool and die company. All right, just don't get lost in the metaverse. <laughs> I have Iceland. In the end, there's always Iceland. Iceland's beautiful. 
That tourist thing worked for me. Yep. I'm like, I'm going right, Let's go. I'll yeah. send my digital twin over there. I'm like, no. <laughs> we'll see you tonight. <laughs> All right, thank uh, you. Uh, Jim Cramer, Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.